It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Election College, Episode 184. John Tyler Becomes His Accidency. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. So Ben, his accidency is what John Tyler is probably best known for if you're going to just rip through the presidents and say, oh, yeah, that's the guy who, you know, chopped down the cherry tree, and that's the guy who emancipated the slaves, and and so on. There was so much more to John Tyler's life. And if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to our episode that was published the day before yesterday, then go back to episode one, and you'll hear that John Tyler did a lot of stuff before 1840. That's where we're picking up. Actually, we're picking up a little bit earlier in 1839 at the Whig National Convention in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So the Whigs, they decide that poor old Van, he's a used up man. Man, Ben, would you like to give us just a, a little bit of the lyrics to Tippecanoe and Tyler too. Yeah, I think I think I can do that real quick. Just a couple lines here. I'm not going to sing for you, but what has caused this great commotion? Motion our country through. It is the ball rolling on for Tippecanoe and Tyler too. Tippecanoe and Tyler too, and with them we'll beat the little Van Van Van. Van is a used up man. You're welcome. <laughs> wow, bravo! I think that's your musical debu- debut. I've I've sung a couple of times here on. That's possible. It wasn't much college, of a... But, I didn't sing much, but yeah. Yeah. It was, it was heartfelt. True. Anyway, so the reason Van was perceived as a used-up man was because of the panic of 1837. The United States had been in a pretty bad recession for three years, and Marty was not doing a good job. At least, if you're a Whig, you're going to feel that way. The Democratic Party was just split into all kinds of pieces because what are you going to do with such a weak president? So it was pretty well known that whoever won the Whig ticket would probably win the presidency. 
So you had William Henry Harrison, you had Henry Clay, and you have General Winfield Scott seeking the nomination. So it seems like one of those would get the nomination, and one of the other guys would receive the vice presidential nomination. That was not the case. So there's three main candidates, and the convention is just deadlocked because, well, there's three main candidates, and they're a young party. And Virginia is like, yeah, we're going to go for Henry Clay. That's just what what you would expect us to do. And Winfield Scott, he's, you know, he's an all right guy, but then it comes out that, uh-oh, he might have some abolitionist sentiments. And Virginia is like, yeah, that's definitely not going to fly for us, and a lot of others say the same thing. So the Virginia delegation says, you know what, if uh, if we don't get Henry Clay, our second choice is William Henry Harrison, and then everybody who supported Winfield Scott kind of jumps in the line on William Henry Harrison. So he gets the presidential nomination for the Whig Party. And everybody's like, okay, well, cool, we got the presidential nomination taken care of. Uh, you know, the the vice president still doesn't really have a, a real job at this point. And while there's never going to be a situation in which the vice president needs to become the president, that's never happened before. So whatever, uh, just pick somebody and we'll go with it. And it's kind of interesting because we actually don't have any evidence or any specifics of how John Tyler became the vice pres- presidential candidate for the Whig Party in 1840, which is <laughs> kind of bizarre, especially how things unfold here as we go. Yeah. When you don't have the support of your own state, that's not really a good sign. But hey, no big deal, because the vice president never comes to power because the president always lives and serves out his term, right? Of course. So... <laughs> So you've got the general election where it's pretty much a shoe-in for the Whigs because guess what? There was no platform. (laughs) The Whigs had absolutely nothing that they were running for other than we're not Marty. So they run on the idea of Van Buren is a used-up man. So in all of the campaign materials that were produced... Of course, this is propaganda, right? But (laughs) Tyler was praised for having integrity and, you know, the party wants to keep Harrison and Tyler pretty quiet. They just, they're just like, hey, Harrison, Tyler, don't say anything because you're going to win. You're going to beat Marty. But Marty's running mate, Vice President Johnson, he went on tour. And he was doing pretty good. People were receptive to what he was saying. Tyler gets called upon to travel to Columbus, Ohio, and address a local convention to assure Northerners that he shared Harrison's views. So Tyler takes a two-month trip, and he's speaking at different rallies. He just could not avoid making statements, because if you're going to speak, you're going to have to answer some questions, right? So an example of this would be that Tyler just quotes Harrison's speeches, which were pretty vague. And there's an instance where Tyler gives a two-hour speech in Columbus, 
Ohio, and he avoids the issue of the Bank of the United States, which was one of the big topics of the election. Yeah, and there's a lot of interesting things about that campaign that you should really check in on. But, uh, you know, everything from whiskey to cider to the teetotalers and everything else, uh, it really made it an interesting endeavor, I guess you could say. And so, of course, the, the campaign jingle for this is typical new and Tyler 2. Talked about that in the Harrison episodes where, hey, he's a... Uh, you know, he's a log cabin candidate. They both are. And in reality, uh, they're actually both pretty well off and live in big giant mansions compared to the common man. So, uh, you know, marketing goes a long way for you, I guess. All that to say, they win. Harrison and Tyler win 234 to 60, which is a, a pretty big margin, by the way, and 53% of the popular vote. Van Buren, he doesn't do well he, he's just done at that point so yeah. tyler is now the vice president yeah and as the vice president-elect he just hangs out in his home in williamsburg on that couch he, yeah on the couch which is a little bit bigger there's a little bit more i think he might have gotten it reupholstered and you know reinforced a little bit so he's hanging out there and he doesn't participate in things that you would think a vice president would participate in. Things like selecting cabinet members and offering advice to the president and recommending people for different offices to be held in the administration. He pretty much says, I'm not going to remove anybody from Marty's tenure. I'm just going to keep the status quo. So he's sworn in as the vice president in March of 1841. He delivers a three-minute speech about states' rights and swears in some new senators, attends President Harrison's inauguration, endures the two-hour speech, and then presides over some confirmations and leaves to go back to Williamsburg. We talked about Harrison's speech and how it was long. We talked about how maybe he got sick from that day. Maybe he didn't. He gets pneumonia, How no matter how it comes about or when he gets it, and he ends up passing away. So guess what? It, there's no president. And unlike today, where we have the benefit of the 25th Amendment, they didn't have really any official succession plan for what happens if the president dies or quits or whatever so john tyler's like hey yeah that's me i'm i'm the guy i'm supposed to be next and jumps in <laughs> takes the oath of office uh in his hotel room and he basically i already took the oath once to be vice president so whatever but just so nobody has any issues i'm gonna go ahead and and take it so people aren't super happy uh, about this some people are like wait is he even allowed to do that like that's that's that can't be the right thing but wait what do we do instead we don't have any provision for that either and tyler's like you know what just to appease some of you guys i'm going to keep a bunch of the cabinet me members and some of the cabinet members were like forget you man we don't even like you we don't we should have been next in line <laughs> not you and uh well, it's a contentious relationship from then on for a while. And, of course, this is when he gets the nickname, His Accidency. They were never, you know, really fully accepting of Tyler as the president. And 
he never really wavered from the conviction that, yeah, he should have been the rightful president. So I guess good on Tyler, I think. Like, it seems like it was the right call, but was it constitutional? No, but was it unconstitutional? No. So I don't know. Yeah. And, I mean, can you imagine? You know, he gives the speech, the inaugural speech before Congress, and he's... it. You mentioned Monty Python last week in one of the episodes, Ben. <laughs> it almost seems like something out of a Monty Python movie uh-huh. where you have this guy, he's just acting like he's the president. And people are like, uh, no, he's the guy who's acting like the president. He's not really the president. He's just kind of doing his duties. And, and Tyler's like, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, and, and so what are you going to do about that? So... As the dust kind of settles, he falls into that role of being the president. And today we just acknowledge that, oh yeah, he's the president. And he was expected to kind of continue Harrison's policies, or at least the policies that Harrison said that he was going to follow. But Tyler found himself at odds with other Whigs. He vetoes Henry Clay's legislation for a National Banking Act, even though supposedly Congress was tailoring this for him to approve it. And like Ben said about the uh, members of his cabinet, it was in September of 1841, following the second bank veto, that members of the cabinet were like, I quit, I quit, I quit. So lots of influential people just kind of said, well, you went to Williamsburg after you were elected. Uh, we're just going to kind of chill out over here in the corner <laughs> and pretend that we were like you. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, on September 13th, after some of those resignations, Tyler doesn't resign or give in. And the Whigs who were in Congress are like, hey, Tyler, you're expelled from the party. So sorry, go find a new party to go to or be in part of. And, uh, you know, he gets destroyed by the newspapers and people are threatening for him to be assassinated. And the Whigs are so angry that they won't even spend money to fix the White House, which is a a wreck at this point, all because a guy died and he stepped in and and became the leader. Uh, Not even his fault at all. Or was it? Oh, I just started a conspiracy in the history. So you're welcome. Uh, But not even his fault, but you know, people hated him because he was bold about it. Yeah. So he spends most of the first part of his administration ticking everyone off and the Whigs in the house of representatives begin impeachment proceedings against John Tyler. So up until this point, Presidents didn't just go around vetoing all kinds of bills, but Tyler was doing this, and a House Select Committee, headed by our friend the Q, he condemns the president's use of the veto, and he goes after his character. And Adams, as you remember, was an abolitionist. He did not like that Tyler was a slaveholder, and... The select committee decides not to recommend impeachment, but it did establish the possibility. 
In August of 1842, by a vote of 98 to 90, the House endorses the committee's report not to impeach the president, but Adams sponsors a constitutional amendment to change both houses' two-thirds requirement for overriding vetoes to a simple majority. But guess what? Neither house passed the measure, so that didn't happen. So Tyler, here he is. He's a go-getter. He's proven that by coming in and swooping in and taking the spot of presidency. He is constantly trying to shake things up and move things around, and people just won't let him do anything. Like he's getting blocked left and right. They are blocking his appointments for, you know, judges, for cabinet members. They just went through a whole attempt to try to impeach him. Uh, whenever he's trying to do anything with any kind of military or foreign affairs, they're throwing wrenches in that as well. And then comes along the annexation of Texas. And, you know, this is part of Tyler's platform. Like he's all about having Texas be part of the United States and Mexico, of course, you know, this is a whole nother podcast, but Mexico refuses to admit that, okay, Texas is allowed to be its own sovereign state. And it takes a few turns here, uh, a few failures before really we just time after time, try to pursue Texas, try to get Texas annexed and it's not working out right off the bat. So finally, you know, after lots of back and forth and lots of yeses and nos, the House and the Senate, by a very slim majority, approve a resolution that offers terms of annexation to Texas. And three days before the end of his term, Tyler is able to sign the bill into law. And of course, Texas accepts and enters in. It's way after Tyler's out of office, but still you know, he can kind of take the credit or we can kind of give him the credit, I suppose, for actually seeing this thing through. Yeah. All of this pretty much leads to any ties that he might've had with the Whigs to be severed. And he kind of made nice with the democratic party. Uh, Andy Jack was like, Hey, come on back Tyler to the democratic party. And uh, while you're at it, Go ahead and endorse our next president, Polk, to become your successor. Because, let's face it, your political career is over, buddy. So, but welcome. Welcome to the Democratic Party. So, John Tyler is one of those guys who doesn't really finish that well if you're a patriot, if you're somebody who believes that states shouldn't secede from the union. Uh, he ends up trying to broker peace with the Northern States in 1861, but that goes south, pardon the pun. <laughs> quickly, he quickly sides with the Virginia legislature to secede from the union. He is elected to the Confederate House of Representatives, but dies prior to the first session. And he ends up dying in the Confederate States of America instead of the United States. Kind of a sad ending if you're uh, a flag-waving lover of the Union. But it is interesting to note that 
he has two living grandsons to this day. And I think a lot of us have seen stories about that. Yeah, it's also interesting to me that his, because of how, so his his first wife, which we didn't even address, uh, Letitia, she passes away while they're in the White House from a stroke. His second wife, uh, they had more children after that. So his first child that they had passes away in 1847. His last child that he had is born after the first child passes and dies 100 years after his first child dies. So first child dies 1847, last child dies 1947. That's a big gap in age, people. like. And also it's yeah. crazy that they had he had two different grown children that never knew each other because of the giant range that they had. So anyway, all that to say, yeah, some grandsons or great-grandsons or no, grandsons out there uh, for Tyler, which is, I bet they have like no idea whatsoever, no affiliation or whatever you want to call it with the fact that, oh yeah, this, this is crazy history. Yeah. It's so, it's so distant. Absolutely nuts. Yeah. So you know what is crazy, Ben, is that we do two of these episodes every week. And if you support us on Patreon, let's say you support us at the level of a dollar a month. That's like 11 cents an episode. It's kind of like change that you might find there on the side of your car seat or that you might have picked up off the ground or you might have dropped on the ground a dime and a penny. But it's that easy to support the podcast, and we certainly appreciate all of our patrons on Patreon, and you can join the club by visiting electioncollege.com slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. We certainly appreciate your support. We also appreciate your support through means of reviews. If you haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, please head over there and do so even if you don't use itunes it's really helpful to us by the way if you use this i just give this reminder like every four or five months because i forget myself if you use the overcast podcast player there's a way where you can go in and actually recommend election college to your friends and your twitter followers and other people looking at our category so do that go into overcast and recommend election college yeah, and be sure to interact with us over on social media. We are at Election College on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we will see you next week. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL, Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX.
Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.